Welcome everybody to the first ever Confessions of a Letting Agency podcast. Uh, today I'm with Gemma French. No, <laughs> Gemma McCready. Actually, I, I always call Gemma Gemma French because we worked together at our previous agency, Sanderson's, for for ten years. And um, yeah, I always remember by Gemma French, but she's now happily married and Gemma McCready. So um, today we're going to do an exciting update for landlords, which is legal, the legal update um, on what has been happening over the last six months. And we'll also talk about um, over the last 10, 15 years, uh, which myself and Gemma have been in the industry for. So we can talk all sorts about that. Um, so uh, Gemma, yes. what would you say, just starting off, how, how would you... Let's talk a little bit about how you started off and in the early days of uh, Sanderson's and working the letting agency and what you were required to do from a legal point of view and, and just talk to me a little bit, a bit a bit about that. So yeah, so when I first started around 16 years ago, it, it was a lot different. There wasn't a lot of legal things that we had to do really. The only legal things that were in place at that point were, were the section 21 notices and the section 8 notices were still in place even when when we first started the deposits yeah that's we, right the, the dps we, yeah. you know there was not no deposit schemes no deposit. in place at that point was there so back then then so, yeah. so landlords would just obviously have and letting agents would just yeah. hold the bonds in, the, in their own account wouldn't they yeah a lot of landlords did a lot of landlords just held it in a normal account we had a private client account that yeah. we that we uh held our deposits in i think we had a separate bond account at that point as well but yeah it was 2000 is it 2006 six or seven yeah you're right it was when the uh yeah. when when this all changed and i know we're not gonna we're not gonna dwell too no. much on, but what was the reason that brought that in then the dps it was because was it, it private was, landlords were it, taking... well private landlords and some letting agents yeah you know some letting agents that i think there was a couple well one round near us that actually <clears> went went bust and they had all the tenants deposits run away with them all they the did way, yeah. they did um and i think it was from sort of a citizen's advice point of view where tenants had gone to them and said my landlord's kept my deposit for no reason and yeah of course so that's how they brought that into place and even at that point it was a big massive change in the industry that's right and i remember sort of going on i remember going on a course yeah about it and you think oh my god this is massive yeah but now, yeah. it's kind of like literally you you have so many changes within a year. That was like just one change within a long period of time that everyone was up in arms about. That's right. And just just while we're on bonds, because we've got so much to talk about today. Yeah. Um, while we're on bonds, how would you find now? You know, um, for agents, for, for yourself, when we're dealing with bond disputes. Yeah. We I think we we use the DPS. We don't use we? we use the DPS. Yeah. Um. I'll be honest, it is very, very hard to, when it goes into a dispute, you have to put every single bit of evidence you can in yeah. to prove that you that that you want that deposit back for whatever yeah. reason. I mean, in all honesty, I think most agents, you know, when they request some money back from a deposit, it's for a genuine reason. Yeah. Um, you know, we have a lot of cleaning issues, gardening issues, yeah. rent arrears, you know, there's a lot of things like that. And I do think it's a bit unfair, I have to say, you know, if a tenant does leave and they owe money, mm -hmm. um, we then request a deposit back. If they don't then log in themselves and agree, we then yeah. have to go through the whole stat deck process. Yeah. 
they then you know you have to go to a solicitor and at the start date progress so, so so for landlords you guys that are listening that's basically where we can't get hold of the this, tenant this isn't is it? right yeah so we request a deposit back we then have 14 days we have to wait yeah we then have to request what's called a statutory declaration yes and it's a form that we have to fill in yeah. we then have to take it to a solicitor's to sign yeah we have to pay for that yeah we then have to send it back to the dps yeah they then have to go back to the tenant yes at whatever known number yeah. address they have yeah the tenants then have 14 days to go back and if they don't they then give us the money back sometimes we do all of this work the tenants then respond and disagree yeah, and then it, and can it go then back goes to, the to dispute all oh, right okay yeah, so it's, it's a really really process. long process yeah, that's right. so i do feel that you know in, in in some ways it does fall down for genuine reasons <clears throat> on landlords yeah and is it fair to say and i'll say it um you know is it fair to say sometimes the red rest schemes favor the tenants i i again i personally think that the do i think yeah. we have to prove so much yeah um we've we've had one recently didn't we where you know there, there was a tenant who wasn't happy with it with a, a few things and it, you know ultimately if you don't have all of that evidence yeah. there you will yeah. lose it yeah. so it's really really important that mm. you document everything yeah you put all notes on the system yeah and you just make sure you cover your back yeah. and that's how i work every single day yeah. every single day i cover my back with every single thing i do but what should just quickly because i don't want to talk about bonds too much but what should a private landlord who's managing it himself what documents does he need to make sure he has if he has a dispute with the deposit so it'd be inventory what is absolutely it yeah if you don't have an inventory you have no, no chance. chance of getting yeah. that deposit back yeah. as a dispute yeah. no chance whatsoever so an inventory is a must yeah. and it has to be very detailed so we've heard the whole, the whole thing where we, we say to a landlord or oh, um we include the, the the inventory in our our agreement and the landlord turns around and says there's nothing in it yes, i don't need one absolutely. and we, we have a little bit of a, yes. a laugh and giggle uh, about that because yeah. you need an inventory you otherwise do. there's no point taking a bond is there this is it i mean you know some some landlords say oh well i don't need one because yeah. it's just walls and carpet just yeah. what, what color are the walls yeah, exactly. a tenant could move in and paint it black that's right you know and what would you do then you, exactly. you know you wouldn't be able to get that money back because yeah. you don't have an inventory so right. they're really really important things to have yeah and then also is there a dps document the sign is it what, prescribed, uh, prescribed information, information that's it so, they must have yeah, that as well they must have that yeah. absolutely some private landlords i've seen before they, they think they've done it all right by yeah. putting the bond in the dip, bond mm. in the dps yeah. but they've got no proof no. that they've done that from the this, tenant, this is it so what you have to do is you have to provide the tenant with a deposit id yeah. and you have to provide the tenant with where the actual deposit is held yeah. with their terms and conditions yeah. you have to get them to sign that so this yeah. is all within the prescribed yeah. information yeah. If you don't sign that, if you yeah. don't even give it to the tenant, yeah. you can't say, well, if you've served notice, yeah. that can cause you implications. Yeah. You can be fined yes. and the notice will be valid. Won't yeah. be valid sorry. Yeah. So it's, it's, so so it's, a, it's a re, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, you know, it's not rare, you know, on occasions now we still speak to a private landlord who um, is still holding his deposit as and put it in the deep in one of the bond schemes that's right isn't it and you can be fined for that as well can't it three oh, times three times yeah. three times the deposit if you don't register that within yeah. 30 days have you taken the deposit yeah so it's within the 30 days that the tenant pays you it yeah then yes you can be fined three times the amount of the deposit yeah um and i think 
some landlords because they've never had an issue yeah that they think oh it's fine you know yeah. it won't happen to me yes yes but you know it may not have happened to you with your last four tenants yeah but every single tenant is different and nowadays it's it's well known to tenants to everybody of the the legislation that's yes. out now and people are more clued up tenants right. are more clued up with legislation yeah so it's really really important that yeah. it's done properly yeah and also just i know we're going to come on to the most recent uh, legal changes <laughs> but one thing that just cropped in my head now as well and um, I, th I think this is right, um, is that if you have not got your bond deposited correctly with all the paperwork and you need to serve your tenant notice, yeah. the notice can be invalid, it's isn't invalid. it? It's invalid. It's invalid, right, yeah. yeah. Um, I've, I've heard of some private landlords that have gone to court yeah. and they have served notice, yeah. section 21, um, and the solicitor, the tenant's gone to a solicitor and yeah. said, I haven't had any prescribed information wow. straight yeah. away, it's thrown out of court. Yeah. And the thing is, before sort of COVID come in, and I know we're going to touch on this, you know, shortly, the notice period was two months. Yeah. Now, now it's a bit longer and we'll touch yeah. on that later. But yeah. you've then paid a court fee. Yeah, of course. To take them to court. Yeah. And you get to court and it's and throughout. Thrown out. Yeah. And you're also then... Will get fined because you haven't given them the right, right yeah. correct information. Wow. So right. it's um it's really important from the start that you give every single bit of information. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It, it is it is a minefield. So already I feel tired about talking about this legal, uh, legal uh, legislation stuff. So I will throw in a funny story because this is confessions of a letting agent. The idea it was supposed to be light hearted. <laughs> So um, talking on the legal side, a funny story uh, that me and Gemma laugh about is um, when I started at my old agency, Sanderson's, um, coming on to the, is basically don't take cash. If you can get it deposited into your bank account directly, do that with your rent and bonds. But back in 2005, um, 2006, uh, we did take a lot of cash. And anyway, I remember doing this check-in um, in, in the centre of Downton Town Centre, and it was on a winter's evening. Um, just off Stanhope Road it was, and um, I took a first month's rent bond, um, rent and bond, which was five hundred pounds each. It was a thousand pounds in cash in twenty pound notes, and it was about it was about quarter to six, six o'clock by this time, and uh, the office was closed, and the office had one of them alarms that if it went off, it, uh, it called the police station, and obviously I'd only been a, um, you know, an admin person. I'd only just started within a few months, so I thought I don't fancy turning this alarm on in case. Um, you know the the uh, it goes off and the police come out. So I was outside the office and I thought I'll just take the cash home and I'll bring it back in the morning. I'd, I'd actually done it before and I thought it wasn't going to be a problem. But what I'd actually done is I'd put this thousand pounds into my black wallet and then I put my black wallet, my my file, on top of my car. Um, and it was rush hour. It was a busy Stanhope Road um, evening and a bit windy. And I set off with this thousand uh, pounds and black wallet on the top of my car. I drove down to the roundabout, which is a spa shop, I, and this time the college was all coming out and there's a lot of students around, and I and I, I put my foot on the brake, and, and I heard this massive thump, and I thought one of these students <laughs> had thrown something at my car, and I, when I looked in the wing mirror, you know in the crystal maze where you know you have to grab, is it grab money? You, you, yeah, you, I think you, it's you grab the money, Grab the money, or something like that, yeah. It was literally like something off moving these 20 pound notes, a thousand pounds worth, <laughs> It just flew in the air and there was cars behind me, there was cars in front of me, there was people around. My heart just dropped. I, I pulled my handbrake on, jumped out the car 
and started grabbing all these £20 notes which were blown all over the roundabout. The spa ladies came out, the students started helping me. And everyone was helping me, yeah, with this money. And it was, yeah, at the time it was, you know, the worst thing ever. But, you know, we can laugh about it now. And actually, I think I was only £60. Sixty pounds. You weren't far off. Yeah. You were very lucky. And I remember coming into the office the next morning, and and with my tail between my legs, and speaking to to Gordon, uh, my old boss, and and just telling him what I've done. And actually, he was very understanding. He said was. then he just said, uh, "I know you'll never do it again." Exactly, and I bet you never have, have you? <laughs> no, I haven't actually. No, it was a lesson learned. So uh, yeah, that that was a funny story that I thought I'd, I thought I'd share. So um, more on to some more exciting legal stuff that's happened. So. So yeah, coming to 2010 to 2004, other things started coming in, Gemma, didn't they? I yeah. think um, we've got uh, the Immigration Act came yeah. in, didn't it? And then the right to rent. What's yeah, so the, the, right, the right to rent. So basically anybody, anyone at all that applies for a property now, you must get their valid ID from them. Okay. Now there is lots of different types of ID that people can give. Okay. Um, so just you know i could i could go on but just to give you an example so a, a valid passport mm-hmm. a uk passport um so you can take one piece of id off somebody as long as they've got a valid uk passport and if they don't you can then take a driving license and a birth certificate right it can't just be one it has to be both okay if they aren't um uk national yeah um they then have other sources of ID. Mm-hmm. So they have to, um, a lot of people have uh, like an ID card and it tells you if they are permitted to work. So so literally, you it, you know, every single person is different. So you check their ID yeah. and we've got a, a list off the uh, home office and it, and it tells you what you need to take from people and what you need to look for. Right. And then you need to do a right to rent check on that person. Okay. Um, so it is quite in depth. Yeah. And you must make sure you do it before you yeah. grant them the tenancy. And is there a little bit of pressure? I know it's been discussed before on landlords and agents, because I remember going to the Isla conference a couple of years ago when this first happened, came out, and that the pressure is that we are required, or as best as we can, to spot a fake ID. Yeah. And, and that is a little it's, bit, and we're not we're not we're not experts in that area, are we're we? We're not, but, and it is. It but is. we can ultimately held responsible oh, if that abs- person has given absolutely yeah. absolutely so it is really really important that some of the id um <clears throat> from overseas they have like little little symbols on and right. you have to check for these symbols right so okay. it's really you know it's 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 really important that they check properly and even passports yeah um i had one last year i had um gentleman come in um and he 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 wasn't he wasn't british but he had a British passport, right? And we we checked it out, and I was a, a bit suspicious, and I was trying to sort of get a, a few more details off this gentleman, but he couldn't speak English at all. Wow! And when I spoke to his boss, yeah, who had brought him here to work in one of his restaurants, I said, "Look, I'm I'm a bit suspicious of this," and yeah. he said, "Well, the problem is, um, a, a lot of of the people that come to the UK, um, get paid." to rent properties and then rent them out to other people right. and this is this is a, 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 this happening quite a lot now right. and i think at this point this this person may have yeah. been one of them i i, I couldn't prove it yeah. but for me it was just it was it was something i was not willing really? to do Fair and i spoke to the landlord and sort of Fair voiced enough. my concerns and, and they were exactly the same so yeah. we didn't go ahead 
No, that's fair enough. I think I think we've said actually we're going we're going to do uh, one of the podcasts a full section on referencing because that is quite a large uh, oh, section so on its own. It's so important yeah, and, and so quite important. a lot to it. So we will yes. um, we will go over that. So moving on to all the other things that have changed. Um, so obviously the big one is of the proof the proof of service yeah. for deregulation documents. Yeah, yeah, that was a big change. Massive change, and I think the good thing with us we have a system where things can be signed online. Yeah. Um, so you have to prove now when a tenant moves in, you have to give them the correct documents, which is your how to rent guide, yes, valid EPC, valid gas safety, gas safety. and obviously now valid EICR. EICR. Of course, yes. And not just your EICR. If there's any works being done with, wow. with the EICR, you have to give them that as well. So you have to prove you have given this to them yeah. before they move in. Right. Um, if the how to rent guide changes within that tenancy yeah. it's a change it Every it's been so changed it's been changed it's a few versions, times isn't yeah. It or something? yeah so if the ver- version changes you then have to supply them with a new right. one as well so right. it's really you know it's really tight so what we do when the tenants first move in well when they sign the tenancy agreement before they move in is we provide them with these documents yeah. and we get them to sign for them okay if you don't provide them with them um, basically, if you come to serve notice, you can't serve notice unless they've been provided with this. Right, okay. There is, you know, some people, if they haven't provided them with this at the time, if you do ever want to serve notice, you must you must then send this to That's them. That's right, okay. So that is what we tend to do as well, just yeah. to cover our backs that we, we provide them with a, a new one before we actually serve yeah. Ascension 21. I see, I've got yeah, got yeah. And then um, there's obviously all sorts of other things coming, but the, talking about the most recent ones, um, is basically this year we've had quite a few things since we've had the changes to this the section 21 notice section 21 notice and section 8 notices so obviously with with covid yeah um the the notices both notices have now actually been extended to three month periods what's the difference just for the people listening what what's the difference between the section 8 and the section 21 notice so a section 21 notice basically you you can serve that you don't have to give a reason for serving a section 21 yeah. it has to be served after the fourth month of a tenancy a lot of people used to serve notices when a tenant moves in. That's right, that's right. So for a six month tenancy, people would serve notice straight away. Right, okay. To end at the six months in yeah. case there was any issues, you can't do that now. Okay. So it has to be after the fourth month, you can serve the section 21. It's, it, it was a two month period. Um, and Ooh. like I say, you do not have to give a reason for that. A lot of landlords, if for instance, they want to move back into the property or sell the property, yeah. um, they would serve a section 21 notice and a section 8 notice has um, lots of different grounds to it that's right is it 15 yes 15 some, are, some are mandatory some are discretionary that's right. yeah um section 8 notice as i do know a lot of people try and shy away from serving a section 8 notice because yeah. of the different grounds yes um i tend to serve a section 8 if a tenant is in arrears yes over two months right okay. because if they're in arrears over a two-month period once the notice period ends now that notice period was two weeks mm-hmm. but now it's gone to two months at the moment yes same as the section 21 but i do tend to serve section eight yeah as i say if a tenant is in two months or more arrears um what happens is when that notice expires you can then apply to the courts and you are or you were guaranteed at that point possession of the property but you can also go to court on possession and arrears right for a section 21 notice 
when that expires if the tenant doesn't leave you can only go to court on possession yeah if there was any monies owing you, you can't you would have to chase that separately right, right. what a lot of landlords don't realize is they think that when they serve the notices that at that point if the tenant doesn't leave they can go and Shit. change a lock right yeah of course i have yeah. that so many times yes. and that's not the case yeah. you can only ever do that once you have a possession order that's and right. if the tenant hasn't left you would then have to yeah. apply for the bailiffs yeah so that's that's a, a, a i thing. see it so often yeah. and um whenever i advise any landlord to serve notice and give them advice i always tell them the worst case scenario of yeah. what could happen because i can't you can't just presume that a tenant will leave yes after the expiry of the notice or on yeah. the expiry of the notice and just going back to some of these notices i mean i know in, in, in my own experience like when, when you fill them out if you get anything wrong at oh, all yeah in that section especially well both of them actually but the section in it also the ground is quite complicated isn't it it really is if you get them wrong i've been there before it just gets thrown out doesn't it, it? it and doesn't. you've lost a lot of time and a lot of money absolutely and, and the thing is if you take someone to court and you know nine times out of ten people have solicitors now judges in the court they're not always you know they, they don't know the housing act yeah. so much you know they look to people for guidance yeah so if a solicitor is there with a tenant and they've spotted something in that notice not sure about. or yeah. something that you haven't done yeah going back to like prescribed information and things they bring you know they will bring that up and straight away it, it will just it will just they'll just throw it yeah. out yeah yeah um so yeah just going back to obviously recent recent times now so so sorry just re remind me actually was a section 21 notice changes before covid hit or after and was it, it was, what's just remind me what's it happened was, it, so there, there was talk there's been talk for a year that's or right so, yeah that it been changed yes, of yeah. the section 21 yeah, the non-fault eviction yes. that's right being abolished. yeah so so there was always talk of that last year yeah. even before that and what they what 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 they're trying to do is to keep people in their own homes that yeah. What they're saying is you know landlords are evicting tenants for no reason yes okay so what they wanted to do was abolish the notices and put sort of one notice together yeah so if you were a landlord and you wanted to sell your property you would have to prove that yes you would have to prove why you're wanting to sell it right um and you know so you will be able to still serve notices but not as easy right. um if a tenant's in your house and they've been in that property they've kept the property you know absolutely fine there's no rent arrears yeah but you know and this does happen sometimes landlords and tenants have have fallouts for whatever reason yeah. and you want to serve notice because you just don't want that tenant in your house it's yeah. going to be hard for you to do yeah. that now so that's yeah. what they're trying to do they're trying to protect people from being evicted right so that the talk of that was like i say last year or so yeah but then what happened when COVID come in yes. and the lockdown, in lockdown they actually changed the notice period then okay. to protect people because obviously what they said is people are going to be losing their jobs and not going to be able to afford rent yeah. and therefore they extended the notice period um, from two months to three months. Okay. Yeah. But um, also, but also did the, and actually banned evictions absolutely well. so they stopped possession yeah. orders um so the courts halted mm -hmm. any proceedings um back to i think when i last spoken to someone they were it was january's that they were still uh, processing in march yeah so any eviction orders from january wow. 
and any eviction orders from like January <coughs> onwards were stopped. And it was due to actually um, start again on the 23rd of August, mm -hmm. and it's actually been extended to the 20th of September. Right, okay. But I don't know whether it may be extended again. Right. And what has then happened last week, so um, it was due to, the orders were due to open again the 23rd of August, and what happened, I think it was Friday, um, on the news, yeah. On the news was, was that they were, they were halting them, but also that they were going to put a six-month notice period That's in right. place. That's right. Yes. Um, and I've had so many landlords contact me this week, um, saying, um, you know, we have to now serve six months' notice. Now, nothing has. And that applies for both Section Eight and Section Twenty-One. Yeah. Well, they haven't said. It's been quite vague, hasn't it? They've it? been yeah. very, very vague with yeah. it, um, and. So it's, it's all up in the air at the moment, but I have spoken to um, our, our legal people and spoken to a couple of solicitors actually this week and just sort of asked them their thoughts on it. Yeah. And basically what they're saying is that they're, they're wanting to put this in place to stop people being evicted over the winter period yeah. uh, due to COVID. Okay. Um, however, what one of the solicitors said is what she thinks they will do is once that happens, they she thinks then they'll change it for good basically really? and this is where they're going to implement these changes to the section right. 21 that we spoke about last year right i see i see and it's not maybe as you know the six months issue isn't so much an issue for like your investment landlords who obviously have bought the properties for investment purposes but your more accidental landlords yeah. it could be more of an issue for you know they've yeah. had to rent the property because of work reasons because mm -hmm. of moving home and actually they only wanted the short-term tenant in and this might um, affect them Absolutely. quite heavily. I mean, I'll be honest, I've had a couple of landlords that have been working overseas yeah. and COVID again right. changed course, this yeah. and they've had to come back yeah. and they've served notice to their tenants. Of course, yeah. Um, and yeah, so I've had one actually who contacted me over the weekend who, who just asked me to serve notice last week and she yeah. was panicking thinking that it was going to be six months now. Yeah. So yeah. so yeah, you know, it is happening all the time and it is it is gonna it's gonna be hard for those yeah, kind of people yeah. really. Um and you know, not not talking too much about sort of renteries, I mean again that that's another another massive topic as well I and mean, we can maybe do a podcast on that another time. But you know, would you say we from COVID and the government help schemes yeah. as a business it hasn't really been as bad as we thought it was going to be no it, has, it hasn't been as bad as, as we thought it was going to be I, i'll be honest at the start there was a lot of um tenants that were contacting us saying oh i don't think i'm going to be able to pay my rent because i've been furloughed but obviously when they were furloughed they were still still of getting course, that's you right know? yeah yeah um, so what we did which I, I think was was fantastic is we we complied a, a sheet together, a COVID, COVID fact sheet, yeah. and we give them advice. So anybody who yeah. contacted us and said, I don't think I can pay my rent, what we said is, okay, we're gonna send you this sheet over. Yeah. You need to look through this sheet because there's so many different options that you can do first yeah. before you come to us and say you can't pay your rent. Of course, yeah. And to be honest, that helped massively yeah. because people then thought, oh, okay, well, I can yeah. do this and that. So it didn't impact us a lot. Yeah, yeah. What it obviously has impacted is people who were in arrears before COVID yeah. and who we'd serve notice to yes. and who we were about to go to court with. Mm. It's, it, it, it's 
it's had a big effect on our yeah. landlords and it's really quite yeah. sad really um, and just to sort of go back to the court proceedings now anyone serving notices and having to go to court now mm. we are going to have to prove that covid hasn't affected there. the tenant not paying the rent okay. right okay so that's going to be a big big Fair it's going to pay, play a big part yeah. Yeah. and i think that any landlord who may have served notices to tenants through the the lockdown part and, and covid you there may be chances that you won't get possession right. of your property yeah if yeah. you can't prove that that hasn't been affected by it yeah so it's going to be for, for landlords and, and agents ourselves it's going to be a, be be a, be a um you know a time where we're just going to have to be careful it's, what we're doing we're yeah it is be, it's going to be very testing yeah and until these possession orders start back up we are not going yeah. to know how these how it's going to go yeah. and obviously you know once we do know how it's going to go that that's that's another podcast that we can do of to, to obviously right. give advice because yeah. as soon as we hear any changes yeah then we will obviously um yeah we'll no. obviously let people know but it's all about i do think as well a, a good point to make is keeping a relationship with the tenants and yeah. building relationships with tenants yeah um what we try and do we offer a really personal service to people and yeah. what i always say to tenants is look please if you are in trouble if you can't pay your rent please contact us please tell us yeah there may be some help that we can offer yes and it's about them coming to you and saying this and working together with them yeah and it's about landlords and tenants having that relationship we're the middleman but we can still build that relationship between the two of them yes even though we're in the middle definitely um you know i have just to, to give you an example, one landlord that I know of, um, you know, their tenants, they ha put the tenants in the oven broke and they took a, a voucher around to them for a takeaway because obviously they couldn't cook. Oh, that's nice. Which I think is a really, really good Little idea, actually. Like that. Yeah. And, you know, it, that, that then cemented their relationship. Definitely. And those tenants, they were, they were actually only meant to be in that property for six months. They've actually, they're still in there, they've been in there five years. Really? So it shows, and it's it a really good example of how you can start to build a relationship from the start. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's just a great yeah. example. You're right, definitely. I I agree. It's it's, it's give and take, isn't it? You yeah. look after them, and they look after your property. Yeah. But you know, it's just it's just one of them. You know, sometimes landlords, you know, won't won't do it this way, and they'll just presume that every tenant, um, you know, it, they're going to cross swords with. Um, but you know it's not like that, and yeah, that, that's a great example. Definitely. You know, of a landlord looking after after the tenant. Okay, so let's talk about finally about EICRs. Yes. So, this has been talked about coming in for as long as I can Ages, remember. Are you the same? Years, yeah. It's been coming every year since two thousand and eight or nine. I can remember, but yep. anyway, here it is. It's come in, and yet was it the summer it came in, Gem? Tell yeah, us a bit about it. Come, it come in. Um, June time, it was very, it was very quick that we got an email saying right, the ICRs are, are now sort of taking effect from July, and then the legislation changed really quickly. Oh, the week after we announced this it to our it. landlords. Yeah, That's right. yeah. Um, so you know that the government, you know, they, they change things all the time, and so they'd obviously had a change, and then they, they put something else in place, and then changed it again the week after. So yeah, they are now in place for all new tenancies, which that, that also includes any renewals. Um, and then from April next year, 
it's every single property needs oh, an okay. EICR, all tenancies, yep. And um, what I was going to say, this this might get, get give a shock to landlords that are listening who have not got an EICR yet on their property, mm -hmm. but Gem, from the ones we've been doing, how many have been failing? 90%. 90% of yeah. them, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of work coming back on them, on them. and we only have 28 days to yeah. get them done. You have to have them done. Really? The works must be done. So any C1s or C2s, yes. that's classed as unsatisfactory and you have to have the works carried out within 28 days. Right. Um, and, and what's a typical thing? I mean, I don't know the answer to this. What is the typical thing that's getting flagged up? Is it changing the consumer unit? Is there a, a common... A lot of consumer units yeah. being changed. Yeah, because the, 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 the old... You see, because these EICRs now as well, just to go back, have to be the 18th edition. So basically... They, they change the the editions all the time oh, right, the regulations okay. so they have to be the 18th edition okay, right so you know some landlords are coming back to me saying oh there's my eic i've already got one well actually it's not an 18th oh, edition from years ago they've probably yeah. Get, yeah so so that's yeah so there's a lot of lot of consumer units coming back because there's a lot of properties where yeah. you know landlords have rented them out for a long time never had one done yeah and the consumer units probably been in from like terrace properties from years um, ago yeah, yeah so there's a lot there's a lot of that coming back a lot of like wiring issues yeah um but genuinely it's it, it is you know quite a lot of and, and, and would you advise on. a landlord or even another agent you know if they've got a tenant book to move in or, or looking to rent out they need to get it done they have to get it done ASAP. if they've got no choice yeah absolutely so what we're trying to do now is certainly when we've got notices coming in we are you know when the property's going back on the market yeah. we say to the landlord's like you need an EICR and we're trying to get them in now whilst the tenant is still in situ yeah because then if they're going in and then there's works to be done we've only got 28 days yeah really we shouldn't be moving a tenant in until then works are actually completed because yeah. the EICR is unsatisfactory but yeah so we are then marketing the property we then find a tenant and the tenants are wanting to move in right so ultimately for me it's just get it done as soon as possible to be honest if it was me and i even had a sitting tenant now yeah i would get one done now right. it's april is not far away yeah. if you think about it all the contract you know yes there's a lot of contractors around but there's a, a lot of properties yeah. around and we're finding everyone's busy we're all of our we've, we've got we've got we about five some, yeah. six contractors with teams yeah and they're really busy yeah. so for me like i say personally if I had a certain tenant, I'd be having them done anyway now, so that you you're ahead of the game basically. Get it done. Yeah. And then, um, and obviously again, just to touch on, so if you renew a tenancy agreement, if you renew all the documents, yes. even if the tenant's been sat in, in yep. the tenancy a few years, yep. you have to get it done with the renewal as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So if they're signing a new agreement, it's classed as a new tenancy. Therefore, you do need an EICR. Right. Excellent. Right. Well, that is. I think that's over thirty minutes now. We've talked about. Legals. Now, this is a this is a subject we can talk hours on. It's not very exciting, but it is very important. And often, landlords uh, overlook this and still actually think that renting your property out involves one piece of paper and a cash and a cash transaction. Yeah. But actually, there's a lot more to it now. Yeah. Um, now, if you guys, I'm sure, is it, if, if anyone's got any questions or have any have any worries or, or queries, are they okay to email you, of course, Jenna, as the, our legal expert? <laughs> Absolutely, I've got no problems answering anyone's questions okay? or queries, no problems whatsoever. And um, 
what we could also do if anyone has any any suggestions you know you know I, I said we could do a podcast on referencing which is a massive subject we could do one on evictions you know if anyone's got any requests they want us to talk about and um, then we can certainly do that we can delve a little bit more into the detail because each area of these you know we've not even talked about HHSRS we've not talked about the Human Dehabilitation Act there's literally so there's a, I think there's 156 legislations that apply to renting your property out um, so there's so much to talk about what we've today we've just talked and um, briefly about some of the areas the most important area well not the most important but some of the areas so um, so yeah if you have any questions please contact Gemma or even myself I think Gemma's email is Gemma at my property box yep, and Gemma ben, with a J Gemma with a J and Ben is Ben at my property box so okay thank you for listening and uh, look out for our next podcast where we're going to do a marketing update with Marie. Okay, thank you, everybody. Thank you.